What is happening, XFL football fans? This is the XFL Game Day podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I'm David Hassig, and join me this week, Troy Anthony and Alex Marinoni. Emery Hunt is on location at the NFL Scouting Combine, but who wants to watch a whole bunch of 40-yard dashes and vertical leaps they have to go measure those hands uh, apparently <laughs> apparently sorry to upset you Bengals fans but Joe Burrow will not be playing any NFL football because apparently his hands are too small to grip the ball it clearly affected him in college anyway folks we're going to be talking a lot on this show we're going to be talking about the Johnny Manziel controversy yes he's back again apparently not for anything good just to stir the pot but it got us thinking should the NFL talk about players maybe the NFL has turned their back on. They certainly did it in terms of quality on the field for some cases. And we're going to talk about LA's case of the Johnsons. Pepper Johnson going out and Josh Johnson coming up. It's been a very, very weird ride for LA. We'll also talk about week four and just generally random stuff about the XFL. And Troy, you're you're looking a little bit too powerful over there. You're sitting in Emory Hunt's seat of power <laughs> over there. Do you have any? Do you have any plugs? The czar of the podcast. Baby. <laughs> the czar of the podcast, <laughs> and we're also joined by the guru of the XFL, Alex Marinoni. Uh, how do you feel being a guru? Is, is, is that is that a fun thing for you? Well, it's just something I was born with, Dave, <laughs> and just, you know, I didn't choose it; it chose me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we we do have to do some sort of plug because Emory isn't here, right? I, you're in the seat of power. Please, please uh, go ahead. Troy. Make sure that you go and pick up your copy of the Go Go Offense. It's a phenomenal book. It gives you insight to one of the most powerful offensive running in the game right now. And it's flying off the shelf, so don't flying forget. off like hotcakes, baby. <laughs> Just like hotcakes. Uh, Emery's going to absolutely fry us for that one. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened. It is a good book. It, it is actually very, very insightful. Brandon Marion, uh, the author of that book. Let's get into what happened in week three in the XFL. Just when we think, okay, we got the XFL down. We know who the good teams are. We know who the bad teams are. Nope. <laughs> Just complete 180 on us. Good game in the first game yet last week. Uh, Houston... Barely gets by the Tampa Bay Vipers, 34-27. Tampa Bay still kind of getting in their own way in terms of the play calling. Uh, Cornelius, though, was effective for the most part. Quentin Flowers was very effective, and the crowd absolutely loved him when he came on the field. But P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips did P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips things and absolutely dominated this game through the year. Phillips finishing with three more touchdowns and 194 yards receiving in this one. Second game of the day, Dallas Renegades finally getting off to a better start. They took care of business in Seattle, winning 24-12. to Seattle's defense continues to be strong, but not getting any help. Donald Parham with a good day for him for Dallas with 101 yards receiving. Also, Cameron Artis Payne continues to be impressive. 13 carries for 80 yards in this one. On to Sunday in front of 30 thousand in st louis i think they might have missed football in the city of st louis uh, just just a little bit uh battle hawks absolutely dismantled the new york guardians 29 to 9 uh jordan Dalmo continues to rise as a a potential star in this league meanwhile matt mcloyne goes down on after the first drive with a rim injury guardians went through all three of their quarterbacks none of them were effective defense got no help again could be a problem because they faced the la wildcats who last week destroyed the DC defenders the best defense in the league they've got no problems they looked like they spent all of Saturday night somewhere in the middle of Los Angeles doing Lord knows what because LA just thumped them 39 to 9 Josh Johnson continues to find his groove 
did an outstanding job in this one to pick up the win. LA gets the first one of the season, and they look to be a team now from here on out that you don't want to mess with. Let's talk about some game balls, though, for Week 3. Troy, who do you got as your game ball for Week 3? Well, I mean, in Week 2, he was the player of the week, and it's pretty much like a prove-me-wrong in Week 3. Cam Phillips, baby. I mean, what was it, eight catches for one, 194, was 194. it? 194. 194 in three touchdowns. Yeah. He's, he's pretty much like, take it away from me, if you can. And no, you can't. You can't. <laughs> he balled out this weekend. Definitely my game ball goes to Cam Phillips. He, he's become P.J. Walker's favorite target yeah. by far. What mm-hmm. is that, seven or eight touchdowns, maybe nine on the season at this point? And the first touchdown, uh, I think it was an 84-yarder. He embarrassed the defender. And P.J. Walker, it wasn't even it wasn't even a de- – I think I believe P.J. Walker was getting hit as he threw it. And just lobbed it. And Yeah, it was just lobbed. lobbed it over the top. Lobbed it, he caught it, and then just burned everybody else. Like, so, it was an easy touchdown, Cam Phillips. Cam Phillips, remember that when you get – <laughs> when he signs with your NFL team next spring, remember the name Cam Phillips. Alex, who do you got as your game ball? Uh, this is tough. I mean, there's two guys from L.A. that I, I, I'm juggling with right now. Uh, I li- love the way Trey McBride jumped on the scene against his former he had team. A very good day. Huge day. And he yeah. took advantage. I mean, he was five catches on six targets, and he could have even had that, that one that just missed his hands. Um, but I think I have to go, even though the stats don't really back it up as much as McBride, I think I got to go Marquez Carter, his teammate. Uh, three touchdowns on the day, 34 on the ground, 40 in the air, front flipping into the end zone. What he did was provide a spark for this offense and didn't have jo- make Josh Johnson have to do everything. He was a big help out of the backfield, and he's somebody that had he had the type of time in week two, they might have been two and one at this point in the season. I, I can't I can't argue with that at all. Mine, I'm going to go. You, you know how we love some Pioneer League football here in, in at football right. game plan. Donald Stand Parham, up. the former Stetson Hatter, not Hater, the former Stetson <laughs> Hatter. Uh, it's hard to defend anything that's six foot eight, but when the guy is also running at 20 miles an hour at his peak speed, what are you supposed to do? Donald Parham, seven, uh, five receptions on seven targets, 101 yards, two touchdowns certainly became a favorite target of Landry Jones. Hard to believe he only played two years of college football. He oh. picked up football his junior year in college. Pioneer League, baby. Pioneer League, baby. Non-scholarship. Let's go. Josh Johnson and Donald Parham, arguably the two best players of the week. Where are we coming from, baby? <laughs> Pioneer that's like, League. That's like that's like LeBron James running at you. Full speed with football Seriously. equipment on. Get out the way. I, I Get st- out the way. I still wonder if LeBron had chosen football over basketball. What would we be talking about right now? Good question. Because scary, scary athleticism. But Donald Parham gets my game ball for the week. Again, a week that was just full of craziness and nonsense and whatever. And speaking of nonsense, Johnny Menzel is back in the news. Uh, Johnny Football putting out a tweet uh, early in the week. Something along the lines of, I'll try to bring it up here, folks. I almost don't want to quote it because it's... Johnny football. It was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty much something along the lines of, if you want <laughs> ratings, you know who to grab. Like, come get me. I'm ready to ball. Something like that. Yeah, yeah he says that now. But <laughs> what three or four weeks ago, didn't he make the comment saying that he would never play in the XFL because he doesn't want to be a part of a league that's going to fold <laughs> early again? And, like, and then didn't he see? Didn't he see that there was money involved? And he was like, ooh, yeah. wait. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, he made. He says that like it was his choice to not play in the XFL. <laughs> exactly. Well, here's the exact tweet. Oliver Luck, who is the commissioner of the XFL, if you want to boost your ratings to another level just send me the contract tomorrow and we're and we're in there like i said years ago xfl 2020 give the people what they want uh he then deleted his twitter account completely and then apparently brought it back up just to say one more 
tweet out a couple days ago, zero desire to play any football these days, just love stirring up controversy. You no, know, it's crazy if he just deleted his Twitter and some of his social media when he was going into the league, hmm. maybe half of the problems he had wouldn't mm-hmm. have been outcasted the way they were. And mm-hmm. notice when he deleted everything this time, no one really noticed. Interesting. Uh, but that got us thinking here at Football Game Plan. <laughs> XFL has obviously been an op- a tremendous opportunity for a lot of guys who didn't get them in the NFL. Guys who were practice squad guys, guys who were on the fringe, uh, guys who you know basically got cut in training camp even though they were good D1, D2 players, D3 in some cases. But what about the guys that the NFL did give the opportunity to and then has had that revoked? Guys like a Greg Hardy, guys like a Ray Rice. Should the XFL consider bringing them in? Now, obviously, the fan bases look good. They've got a good TV deal already. They've got that in place with Fox, ESPN, ABC. The quality on the field has been far and above the AAF in every way, shape, or form. And has it been... a comparable to the nfl no but you don't expect that because again where do these players come from they're coming from the practice squads but certainly better than the aaf is there a reason the xfl should be open to this or with it being a new league should they just keep them at orange reaps and then if they need to go to it because right now the fan bases still seem to be on board i mean seattle had another good crowd back-to-back weeks in the cold and the rain st louis brought in thirty thousand to the dome um it looks like the league is relatively healthy. So they, do they want to risk it, or do they want to try to go for more cash on the can? Listen, I I was actually asked this question last week on Drive Time Sports for the Score 1260. Um, nice plug. <laughs> I, I learned from the <laughs> well, best over well, there. Well done, Guru. Well done, Guru. <laughs> um, no, but they, they asked the same – Paul over there asked the same question, and I told them then, and I still believe that they don't need a face. I feel like that would dilute everything that they're trying to do, and yeah. it would take away – what like the purpose of this league is to is for the passion aspect, right? The the league the XFL doesn't want to seem as like a minor league, or doesn't want to seem as a competitor to the NFL. They don't want cast offs. They don't want drama. They don't want to deal with everything that the fan has been complaining about in the NFL. What they want is good quality football. And if you're gonna bring the, you know, the Greg Hardys of the world and some of the guys with the off field issues, all you're bringing is a hateful drama you're bringing in mm-hmm. or you're bringing in drama that is not football related if they if right. the drama the xfl wants is matt mcgloin on the sideline they honestly <laughs> want matt mcgloin or matt so- mcgloin is the face of the xfl <laughs> yeah, right. right now i mean it, but that's what they want they want stuff if there's going to be drama they want it you know like you're an insider like yeah. in on the team yeah. that kind of stuff they don't want yeah, yeah. they don't want the domestic they don't want any of those kinds of things and yeah. um and you can't blame them and i think that's part of what makes the xfl great is that we don't have to we're, you know, we don't have to spend Monday through Saturday talking about what Antonio Brown is doing next, and then oh yeah, there's game Sunday. You know, it's 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 football only. Antonio Brown getting into a fight with his gym equipment over the past <laughs> week as well. See, uh, I, and losing. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that to an extent. Um, yes, I, I don't think that they want the the drama to seep over from the NFL into their brand, but then again, there there's stars that can be that can make it in this league that have been cast out. The first th- the first player that comes to mind is a Justin Blackman, a guy who didn't really see success in the NFL, didn't really play in the NFL because of all of his DUIs. Yeah. Specifically his DUIs and and his popped uh, his pop tests, but maybe not something as egregious as a Greg Hardy because right. his infractions were very egregious. Inexcusable, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like something like that where it's a DUI, it's a poor choice, and like 
something that we can forgive, you know? And then he, he had a lot of talent at OK State, right? Yeah. A lot of talent at OK State. I can see him, a player like him, coming in to the XFL and making a name for himself, potentially getting back into the NFL long run if they do allow him back. But, like, yeah, a guy like uh, Greg Hardy or something of a Ray Rice, a domestic situation or something like that, that I don't see the XFL wanting to taint their brand with. But yeah. guys who just who made poor decisions, especially so young in his career, yes. I think that he should have the shot at making a name for himself, proving that he still has what it takes to be a professional athlete. And you bring up the DUI. I I want to talk about the guys that, you know, who have been suspended for marijuana. Yeah. Especially now that it is no longer illegal. Well, not 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 yet. yet In terms of the new CBA, which may or may not happen because that's a whole different controversy for a whole different day because that could go a long time, folks, the way it's sounding right now. But – Players that, you know, who were suspended for a year mm-hmm. for, you know, the sm- smallest bit of something just to make them actually be able to, like, relax and relieve some pain. And they're getting punished for that. You know, something like that. Um, I-, I agree with, with the Greg Hardy, Ray Rice thing because any form of, I mean, domestic violence just in general is just not acceptable, at least, you know, for anybody in this room, um, no matter how athletic you are. And Greg Hardy is actually having a decent career in MMA. Like, he's actually turned that over into, you know, at least he's getting some, you know, some career path there. I have no idea where Ray Rice is, and nor do I really care. Um, but you talk about the controversy, too, and other controversial figures. I mean, you look at a guy like a Colin Kaepernick. Now, obviously, you know, views right, wrong, indifferent, whatever. That doesn't matter. He's a controversial figure. He's also asking for, what, $30 million? Like, yes. I think it was like 20 $20 million. Yeah. The XFL has no way they're going to pay <laughs> that amount of money yeah. for anybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter if Tom Brady's like, yeah, I want to go and play in the XFL yeah. for my last year. Can you imagine that, by the way? B- Boston gets an XFL expansion team and Tom Brady is the first-year quarterback. <laughs> that would be wild. Um, plays but, at least 55. <laughs> exactly. But you talk about having an identity, too, and it's, this is where the, the one chance I get to talk about soccer here because Emory's not here. The problem the MLS had 10 years well, hold ago. Hold on, hold on. Are we going to allow this, Troy? I don't know about all that. <laughs> I don't know. I am making a good point and we're making a good example here. Yeah. In terms of the image, though, because 10 years ago, Major League Soccer was seen as a retirement league. Big stars from Europe came over when they were tw- you know, 33, 34, played two years in America, got a ton of money, like and Beckham. then were gone. Beckham is one. Uh, you look at guys now like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who is – I mean, he would be perfect for the XFL, the old XFL, by the way, (laughs) with his personality. But you want to keep that image because as soon as that image went away, the MLS started to shine. And what the XFL has here now is a brand to itself. It is something that is unique and is one that's actually doing well, unlike almost every other, I don't want to say minor league, but like semi, you know, major, you know, major league stepped down from the NFL, every other league in football hasn't had that success and they actually have the image to build it but see no other no other sport has had a league where it's so also dominant. i was gonna say like xfl is professional football but it's not the top tier in this country yeah no other league has a professional league that's as high as the xfl but isn't quite the highest and that then that isn't affiliated with that top yeah, league yeah because with baseball obviously you have the triple a teams you and all that's associated with the MLB. And NHL, same thing. They have the AHL and ECHL. The, actually, the only one that doesn't have that is actually soccer, is where MLS has the USL. But again, not that is still growing. It's not nearly 
in the top four yet in terms of sports. But you're right. It, it's one of those things where there has, there, there's an independence between two highly regarded leagues, which you don't see anywhere else. And I think they have to hold on and build that brand as much as possible. And bringing in any kind of controversial figure, I think, just kills it. Especially when it's an NFL cast off, because then that's when you start to look like the little brother, even yeah. though it's yeah, exactly. even though it's it's kind of well, that's assumed and yeah. right, it's assumed and it's like okay, obviously this isn't NFL. Not saying it's not NFL caliber talent because these are NFL caliber players that are now getting more burn and playing yes. game, but they weren't names in the NFL. Now you're talking about bringing names in from another a, comp- a competitor, even though they see them themselves differently. It's it, it, that's where the little brother. Okay, well at least you could play with us. No, it's let's yeah. we're gonna build our own guys, and if they choose to go play in the NFL afterwards because of the they're gonna get paid and they're gonna get you know really when it comes down to it, it's all about money. If XFL could yeah. if XFL could compete with salaries with the NFL, then it would be com- competitive, and it won't yeah. ever will be until that happens. And and if that does happen, you know the NFL would be right on it, trying to either buy them out kill the league or merge again yeah. you know, and they've done that once before I mean the best that I, what I would see would be pretty cool down the line is if XFL could build a little bit more teams where it's almost like it's a pra- it's you're pretty much affiliating like the Guardians for example it'd be t- that's probably the worst one to take because there's two teams in New York but <laughs> if you're affiliating the Vipers with like the Buccaneers or something and it is a minor league team and then you allow practice guys to come down you're paying them NFL salaries but they're playing their games in the fall. Awesome. I meant in the uh, in the in the spring. So yeah. that would be the only way. I think that would be like the in down the line. That would be like the goal. It's still their own entity. They still work themselves. But if the NFL is your partner now and letting you run things your way, now you're talking about no restrictions as far as players. I think it's only a matter of time. Like you talk about NFL runoff, and I know that's kind of a, a bad term to use. It's going to happen um, eventually. Somebody is going to come yeah, play, it, play 10 years in the NFL. It's only a matter of time, exactly, before uh, somebody has the Tom Brady mentality where they just never want to never want to hang it up pretty well, much. Nick Nick Novak. I mean, he's, what, 30-something years old, and he's kicking field goals. Like, if this is a league that's <laughs> – I mean, I know it's kickers, so it doesn't get the headlines. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, kick, well, kickers but, is, a, is a breed on its own because those guys are just being yeah. rotated all over the place Right, now. but that, but, that, but it is – but I mean, like that—that's that, that, that star skill position or that quarterback yeah. is well star in the XFL, but he's going to be in the NFL trickling down. You know, right. like he's going to be a couple of years, couple of years, uh, end of his career, not really making squads, bouncing around practice team, practice team, um, or roster for the preseason gets yep. cut, can't make a squad. All right, it, it's time to hang it up. Matter of fact, let me just go to the XFL, make yeah. another. Uh, what's the max uh, cap in the NF- XFL? It's, I think it's, it's five hundred and ten thousand for for yeah. the quarterbacks, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, but, for the XFL, you're saying? Yeah, for the XFL, I think it's four, right? It's it's in between two fifty and six. It depends. It's anywhere in that range. All right, yeah, but so. yeah, it's still, yeah, still. Yeah, no. right, gonna, let me go to about. XFL. Right. Continue making a play check. That's not really going to mean much to them because they yeah. have already stacked up during the career. But it's continue playing football and being on a team and part yeah. of that brotherhood. I mean, if you look at it, that's. I mean, we have one technically in Josh Johnson. I mean, I'm sure, and you could say Landry Jones too. But Josh Johnson was pretty much that. He's a guy that bounced around, and I think he was at the point now in the yeah, NFL where true. he was probably done. I'm sure if Landry Jones stuck to it, you know, he's got the build and make. Up where somebody might want to work with him as a backup. He has the experience as a backup. But Josh Johnson, he's seen every NFL locker room. So at this point, <laughs> he's pretty much this is it. And no, you, that's you, true. you make a good point. But that's only one. But you might you like your point is saying this could be something that 
I'm trying to think of someone off the top of my head, like a running back or a receiver that's like phased out. Like if Frank Gore didn't have the type of uh, yeah. accolades that he had, now that he's going to fall as the top four runner rusher of all time, that could be a type of guy who just wants to keep playing, but the NFL might not have a place in the NFL. It's gonna. It would be interesting to see that. I I I think you would have to slow down that flow to a point because you're right. At some point. Some guys are going to come from the NFL and be like, I'm 32, I'm 33, I'm not going to get another look except here. I think, though, if you're the XFL, though, you have to avoid, like I said with MLS, you have to avoid that reputation of this is the retirement league. Right. You have to, you know, this has to be a league that provides what it is now, and that's an opportunity for younger guys, guys straight out of college that really didn't get a look, guys who are, you know, practice squad guys. That's what you're, has made this such an effective league and, you know, gotten people so involved in it. So, I think it will happen to a point, but it'll be interesting to see maybe if they put a roster rule in place where if you have a certain number of NFL years experience, you're only allowed X number on a team. That, that's very interesting. Yeah. That, that would be for uh, maybe five cool guys. Rule. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, if you've got more than six years experience on the NFL, on an active roster, and you have six different years, you're allowed to have five of those guys on a roster, and that's the max. I think that would be something that you, you, know, you can have those guys and still let the veterans have their opportunity to make one more, you know, get a few more plays in but you don't want them taking over the league. And I think that's something that uh, Commissioner Luck would have to look at. Yeah, say as a limitation, I, I, yeah, I don't want, yeah, I agree. I don't want, you don't want too many because you, you, the point is, is to build these names. And I think, yeah. like we mentioned on a couple of shows before this, that we, you might start seeing sophomores out of college coming or right. freshmen or sophomores out of college. So you want to save roster spots for those guys that might be next level players in college that could get to the NFL, but why not make some money rather than go to class? Shout out to the University of West Virginia, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's talk about let's get into now our second topic here, and that's the LA's case of the Johnsons. Now we've had two very different Johnsons hmm. with two very different phrasing. <laughs> phrasing, indeed. <laughs> I just caught myself on that one. But this whole year started out with Week One. LA gets smoked, and Pepper Johnson gets fired, and we're thinking, okay, whoa. There's already been a coaching firing one week in to the XFL. This is this is just like the old XFL. This is beautiful. But then week two, here comes Josh Johnson, who week two, eh, second half good. Second half good, first half meh. Last week, holy hell, <laughs> Josh Johnson just completely turns it around, and they shut down the D.C. defenders to hold him to nine points. I think these moves are now turning L.A., into a possible team that's going to make a run. Yeah, they're one and two. <clears throat> this is an LA team I think could make the playoffs. I don't know if you can necessarily say that that uh, Pepper Johnson firing is one of the reasons why. I mean, my my personal opinion, he was fired way too soon. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, week one, you don't even have your starting quarterback. Yes, you get dominated, but look who they were playing, and look at what they turned into now. It was the the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, Only blame PJ yeah, Walker. And I said that's that's in the end if. If you're gonna fire a guy because he lost to a, the a team that goes, let's say they go ten and zero, and PJ Walker's the MVP, and you had, you know what I mean? I agree with you. It's I like, mean, I, that's that's why I'm getting fired because this this guy <laughs> who just lit up the league lit me up. Like, what? Are yeah. You kidding me? <laughs> like, have the Roughnecks scored less than thirty points so far? I don't have the I don't have it right uh, in front of me. Check. Thirty four right. last week. Uh, they had. 28 week 28 two week against two. a very good Battle Hawks <laughs> team, and then the 37 against LA week yeah, one. Yeah, so I mean, like they fire him after the week one matchup <laughs> against the Houston Roughnecks, who are the most explosive team in this league. Say that yeah, the most no. explosive oh, yeah. team in this league. No quarterback, and 
most consistent. Now too. they get their quarterback. Last week they played. Um, they played the Renegades last week. The Roughnecks. No. Oh, uh, the Wildcats. Last week they played. Uh, yeah, it was the Renegades. They played the two. Renegades week two. Lost, lost it in that one. But Josh Johnson's first game this this week they dominate the defenders. Yeah. So I mean, like it's it's progress. But it's de- progress. Did you tell me you couldn't do that with Johnson? But de- but defense- Johnson. But defensively, they've been much much better in the last two weeks. Like you can't deny that. I mean, DC. Yeah. Are they expo- as explosive as Houston or St. Louis? No. But they were still putting up pretty good numbers. They made Cardell Jones look like an amateur out there. No, I give you that. I give you that. Defensively, they looked better the last two weeks. But then again, they haven't been playing the Roughnecks the last two weeks. <laughs> right. No defense has looked good against this Roughnecks team. Yeah. I will say I was impressed. I, I threw a challenge out in during the show uh, for Winston Moss because, yes, you got to – for the most part, for three quarters, you didn't allow Landry Jones or any, that offense to beat you. Then you gave up, of the 25, it was like 18 in that fourth quarter yeah. um, and lose the game. But now you're going up against Cardell Jones, and arguably a lot, a lot of people had him as QB1 still, despite the way P.J. Walker was playing. You were talking about after week two, before, just before week three, D, what was D.C.? They were the team, right? Yeah. Even though the Roughnecks were 2-0. and Especially yeah. defensively. They were, they I were, thought they were the most complete most team. Most complete team. And you <laughs> looked at that defense. You had Anthony Johnson now up front. You have... Uh, Elam and Shamarco Thomas in the secondary. AJ Tarpley, like these are NFL names, like they, and they're beating up on the uh, the first two weeks of the season. Thirty nine to nine, they lose. Yeah. They now it's smoked. how much of that is DC, and how much like just not coming ready to play, and how much of that is Winston Moss is getting his word around now, not Pepper Johnson's. I was about to either that or how much of that is McBride saying. Oh, you want to trade me, huh? Oh, yeah. You want to trade me? And you know what? It's <laughs> great between that. I mean, they're building a little, even though it's east-west, but like, and they don't really play, only play each other the one time, but yeah. you got Trey McBride talking. Uh, you got Rashard Ross before the game talking because they were traded. Um, and then we all know about the Anthony Johnson situation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then, you know, that's going to be a big hit Another to LA's Johnson. defense. Another Johnson. <laughs> so <laughs> too many Johnsons in LA. It's too, it's, it's too confirmed. Phrasing. 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 <laughs> too confrasing. <laughs> but you talk about Josh Johnson, though. This guy has now made L.A., I think, a dangerous team at any point. I mean, you talk about, you know, Houston's the most explosive. There's no doubt of that. Yeah. For me, I think St. Louis is the most complete in terms of their entire makeup. Their running game is fantastic. Their defense, running game is scary. Defense has been excellent for them consistently across the board. But now L.A., we've seen two weeks in a row where – hey, the defense is starting to creep up a little bit, and the offense just went, hold my beer. Here we go. <laughs> I, love the, yeah. I love the fact that McBride comes on and explodes this week because be, prior to this week, it's like, who do they have? Spruce. Spruce. Who's been excellent, too. He, he had has. another good game. He has. I would say right now he's probably wide receiver two in the league, two or three. Give mm-hmm. or take. Yeah, I'd put him there. Right I mean, I mean, coming, yeah. in, coming into the week, he was he was wide receiver one. I mean, he, Phillips had the one explosive week, and but Spruce was leading in all categories. Yeah. And now yeah. after, and now this Phillips yeah, should be leading. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Phillips is number one. Where did you have Where did you have Spruce in your power rankings after this week? Did after this him? week, I believe he was around five or six. Five or six. But yeah. and that's because he came on late in the late in the uh, in the week. I do it by week for the players, but right. overall, he would be a top three still, uh, yeah. despite his, because you know what he showed in the fourth quarter even of a of a blowout game that. Against a DC defense that held everyone in check the first two weeks of the season, yeah. that if he wants to get open, he'll get open. If he needs to be involved, yeah. he'll be involved. That's that's the difference. In it wasn't the ball wasn't being forced to Spruce because he didn't get any. It was 
all right, I'm just going to look. It, it was pretty much Josh Johnson going, I'm just going to look his way this time because he was open all game. I'm just going to hit him now. Yeah. Um, and by the way, shout out to the Jets who couldn't find a spot for Trey McBride on their roster. Hmm. <laughs> interesting. Watch that guy dominate the preseason and then he couldn't find a spot. Uh, right. Interesting. Shout interesting. Out. But it, it's with, with LA, you, you talk about, though, you got McBride and Spruce, who's a huge one, too. And they have that with Johnson. They only And again, Carter had a really nice game yeah. this week. Honestly, I, we might be talking a different tone to the LA Wildcats, and it's good that we're bringing them up now while they're one and two. Because if Carter's the starting running back, like I said before, over Elijah Hood, who fumbled the ball twice in the red zone against the Renegades in Week Two, yeah. we're talking about a team that could be two and one at this point. Um, Josh Johnson, numbers wise, and just the way he played, he put a full game together yeah. uh, Week Three. But Week Two, he even though he struggled and missed some throws early in the first half, he still led the team down into the red zone twice, and they came away empty. And then he did it again in the third, in the second half with a missed field goal. So, I love the fact that Carter is a legit topic now because through the first two weeks of the season, all the conversation was quarterbacks, quarterbacks, yes. what quarterback is doing this, what quarterback is doing that. Now the running backs are starting to get in the, to- in the mix because Carter, he had a game um, – Matt Jones for the Battlehawks, he's been doing very well. Brissett had a good day for D.C. Yes. Yeah, the, the running backs down in Tampa Bay as well. The running games in this league are really starting to come alive come this week three. Hopefully they continue going forward. This way it's not just all quarter, what quarterbacks are doing this, what quarterbacks are doing that. As more players succeed, more players do well, more players will be talked about, this league will grow. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. Now, do you, as you guys both as former players, do you think it's harder for the passing game to get up to speed or the running game to get up to speed? Because well, I mean, it's it's tough. It's hand in hand because you have with the running. I mean, you need protection, whether it's pass protection or, right. or rush yeah. protection at first. But I feel like with the pass protection, there's it's a lot. It's it's, it's kind tougher. of a, and a little it's, bit more. There's, okay. there's more. You have to re, you have to you're on your heels rather than if you're the aggressor on the running game. If you have a powerful offensive line, then yeah, you get the running game going. You always start it. It's any no matter who the offense is. And this league, outside of the Renegades, who needed the running game to bail them out the last two weeks, but unless you're a pass-first team and you're heavy air raid type attack, yeah. you always try to start to be, beat a team on the ground. You, Battlehawks, you would have thought Jordan Tiamo was going to throw 40 times the way he's been playing against the yeah. Guardians. What was the four play, four or five-play drive to start against the Guardians? All running plays, Matt Jones ends up in the end zone. I mean, that's just, if you yeah. could beat a team on the ground, don't throw the ball. See, if when it comes to depicting what's more... What's more powerful for your team, rushing game or passing game? There's just way too many factors that go into it. What's your offensive scheme? What type of players do you have on the line? What type of skill guys do you have? Who do you have at quarterback? So if you have a if you have a Cardell Jones, obviously you're not going to use him on the ground as much. If you have a Te'amu, you're going to feature him on the ground. Or if you want to go NFL-wise, Lamar Jackson. If you have Lamar Jackson, your running game is going to be featured a lot more. Even though he's dynamic with his arm, your running game is going to be featured a lot more. If you have Brady, you're going to be passing a little bit more with the running game as the complement. The, but the, the better argument for a team would be what clicks faster, uh, the offense or the defense. Okay. And in my mind, the off uh, the defense always clicks faster than the offense because it's way easier to go into it thinking that okay I have to stop this person than to have the offense firing on all cylinders twenty four seven because the offense is trying to find the holes whereas the defense is like okay we got our scheme let's just slow it down yes because because so you think this is the with the running games developing late 
as we go through here, you think that's more coaching saying, okay, this is actually what we have. We've seen it now in the game. <laughs> not Let's only that, not only that, you're starting to see more and more tape on these other teams right. as as the as the weeks go on. Like we're only through three weeks. We've only seen three weeks worth of tape on a te- on teams. Now, to some people, that's enough. To some people, it might not be. But as as the league as the season goes on, you're gonna get more and more tape. Teams are gonna start repeating a little bit more and more what they have, and then you know every week coaches implement different different schemes, different plays to counter uh, whatever they've seen. And then as the season goes along, your playbook builds from there. Well, you saw it this week too, as far as you saying there's more tape out there and adjustments are being made. You could look at one team that made adjustments and one team that that uh, didn't adjust to the adjustments. For example. The D.C. defenders probably thought they could go in with their same game plan. Roll teams are going to air the ball out, and they're going to let Cardell Jones sit in the pocket. And what did L.A. do? They didn't let him sit in the pocket, and they had two men over the top of everything. And every time Cardell was looking down the field, he never had a guy that created any separation, despite having probably the best receiving core in the league, in Tompkins, Rashad Ross, and Eli Rogers. Yeah. So the fact that he couldn't get the, he couldn't get into what they do well um, and then end, they started from behind, which is the first time they did that all right. year, so they felt more pressed. And then you look at the Battle Hawks, a team that was relying on the arm. Matt Jones ha- has played well and has been a nice, it's been a nice balanced attack, but they were heavy run. And you saw why, because the Guardians came out adjusting. They had a spy on Tamo, and they, uh, they, were, they were, had the DNs were constantly taken outside pers- uh, persistent mm-hmm. at the. Uh, uh, to now allow Tiamo pretty much to break the pocket, yep. and what did that do? All that did was keep your linebacker's eyes on the quarterback when the running back has the ball, mm-hmm. and you had two less guys clogging up the lanes, and Matt Jones was again touched to like eight yards down the field. Yep. So yeah. that's just that's two teams that one made adjustments and one didn't. So it's not necessarily it's not a but that's goes back to your point as far as now that there's going to be more tape on vol- involved, now you're going to start seeing things that weren't working before, like the running game, start to have an impact. Because you saw that even with the teams that have struggled in the early going, the Vipers went more to Flowers in this first in this sec- in this this third game here. Had a huge impact, especially with him being the hometown guy. Even the Guardians, though, you saw both Cook and Victor have good games. They were both averaging over five yards carry on the ground. Even Williams, when he was in Well, when Marquise Williams was in a quarterback it because it, out. it opened up the game. Yeah, when you have Matt McGloin under center and you got two tight ends on the field and he's on and you know, just one big receiver, he's probably blocking. Yeah. They pretty no. much telegraph what you're doing. When you have Marquise Williams out there, you're spreading the field and you got more you have the extra element of a quarterback who can run the ball. Now all of a sudden there's lanes. That's weird. Yeah, his, <laughs> his running ability, I think, opened up his passing game. He led the team with 94 passing yards. Yep. Yeah, and exactly. And here's the thing. McGloin didn't even look bad, though, on that first drive. If he hadn't gotten hurt, it seemed like they had changed the game plan there as well. It was more of a quick hit passing offense. Yes, which it should have been. And they which did, it should have been since week one. And they did that week one. Week one, he was it was quick hits, and he looked pretty effective. And then he, they took their shots over the top because they saw the Vipers' defense come down into the box week one. Yep. He had the one-on-ones on the outside. He probably should have had more scores, but when we got the two – but they, you're able to lead into that. Now, week two, they were just trying to throw the ball down the field, and they were trying to do yeah. more with Matt McGloin, and the D.C. defense is too good to do that. You also saw in week two that you, you saw the, the uh, how big Darius Victor is to that offense because yes. week two he gets hurt, gets, that, gets his bell rung, and they had, to, they had no answer for that on offense. This week, Victor's back along with Cook, and they were just gouging the St. Louis defense for big yardage. Which leads to the question, why aren't you doing it more? But let's talk about St. Louis a little bit more because I think this is the more this is probably one of the best stories in the XFL so far. That first game was nuts. Yeah. Like that was the old school St. Louis atmosphere. Thirty thousand in the dome, and that was just because they capped the lower bowl. Yeah. 
if they go if they open the whole stadium up, they might have filled that thing. And you know what? And this game will help with that. Now cool. seeing them dominate at home the way they did. Um, now the Guardians are on the down right now, so they're not playing their best right. brand of football. But you still dominated a division opponent at home that way, and and the crowd has been the topic of conversation. If I'm a St. Louis fan, I'm gonna go to the game. Now I really yeah. want to go to the game. I want to be part of that atmosphere. Because because the problem with St. Louis was never the fan base. The fan base was always <laughs> passionate for the Rams. It was an owner who didn't want to pay for his own stadium. Yeah. Let's be perfectly honest here. If he actually had you know opened his pockets a little bit, like. Oh no! I'm going to go from four billion dollars in my bank account to three. Oh no! What am I going to do? <laughs> and actually build a brand new stadium? The Rams would still be in St. Louis, and the Chargers would be the only team in LA, and they probably wouldn't be hated as much. But that's a totally different topic for a totally different podcast. But you saw it here with this crowd. I mean, everyone had the branded merch on. Everyone had the Kaka T-shirts that yep. I saw. There were yep. several. What? appeared to be battle hawks i don't think they were actually battle hawks i think they were more pigeons than anything the else hats. you're talking about the hats, <laughs> the hats yeah. flying around but this crowd was insane i mean we and we've seen that though throughout the league we saw it in seattle with their first game it was massive i can't imagine what houston's gonna look like with how they've started off the season that crowd is going to be insane next this upcoming week even new york when we were at the first home game week one it wasn't the biggest crowd in the world, but they were loud. Yeah. But St. Louis just took it to a totally another level. I mean, this is this is greatest show on turf type stuff that we're seeing here. Like this was absolutely crazy. And they've got for me now. We talked about if you want to watch the XFL game day show, by the way, on the Game Plus Network. <laughs> Alex and I talked about this. Who is you know I brought up the the buy or sell. Is St. Louis the most complete team in the XFL? They're going to have to watch to get your answer. Troy, I want to bring this up to you because obviously you talked about Houston being the most dynamic, and that's by far. Are they the most complete, though? Because I think St. Louis, when you look across the board, might be the most complete team here. Um, It's, it's tough because I think there's only one aspect missing from St. Louis's game, and that's the passing game. Now, they're very, very, very effective on the run. But Te'amu hasn't proved to me that he can get it done through the air if they get stopped yet. Twelve They're, of eighteen isn't good enough. It's it's <laughs> it's not a twelve. I mean that's numbers. Twelve of eighteen. But what does that twelve? What does that twelve of eighteen look like to you? Jimmy Garoppolo got in with eighty something passing yards down to a Super Bowl. <laughs> Garoppolo hasn't proven to me that he's he can get it done with his arm yet. He did it against two teams. I said I said it all year against the Cardinals twice. But <sighs> like I said. I want to. I want to. I'm not. I'm not hating on the Battlehawks. I'm not hating on Tayamu. I still think that they're one of the better teams in the league, and that they can go far. But I want to see him prove it with his arm, and I want to see. I would like to see a team stifle the run, and Tayamu still get it done through the air. It, it, I, I I see where you're coming from, but again, you're seeing two different quarterbacks in the NFL at this point too, as you're seeing it in the XFL. You're seeing guys who can dominate the game, as in a Patrick Mahomes, PJ Walker type. And you're seeing game managers, and both are being equally as effective. So, do you have to have one game you style don't. over the other? You don't. No, I'm not saying that you do. But as a player, I would like to see Tayamu prove that he can do it with his arm. the The Battlehawks are a complete team. I'm not saying that they're not. Their defense is solid. Their offense is electric. They get it done through the running game. It doesn't look like anybody can truly stop them. Their one loss was a shootout against the Roughnecks. Where? Why did they lose? Tayamo through the interceptions. Shout mm. out Eastern Illinois University. 
(laughs) (laughs) Emery, we have to do these in your honor. We have to do random shout-outs, too. So, Uh yeah, that's why they lost. On to the DC, who I also feel as if DC was interesting. Yeah, they got dominated by the Wildcats in their one loss. Absolutely dominated. Their offense got shut down. LA did whatever they wanted. Now, is this a fluke game? Did they look past LA, thinking that oh they're they're a one and one team? Um, no, they're an. The two and one. Yeah, the yeah yeah, and look past them and Josh Johnson and all of that and. The, this past week was a fluke, and they're actually the D, the DC team that we saw in week one and week two. That's to be seen. We I have to see how they step out of the the loss from this week into week four. But I think that they're a complete team at the end of the day. I think that this the what we saw from Cardell Jones in that offense is not who they really are. I think they they're more of the team that we saw in week one and week two, who can air it out, who can run the ball, and that defense who can be stout and shut down. Well, there was there was one key factor with that game potentially, and that's east-west travel. Uh, I'm telling travel. you right now. I'm telling you right now. Prove the, me then, wrong. Then how do you explain New York? Because they only went halfway. <laughs> They're just playing good football right now. We're gonna. You're gonna. Uh, oh no, you're not gonna see it. I, I a little. Oh yeah, you are gonna see it this week. We're gonna see after a big win, the LA Wildcats, two pretty good weeks in a row. Yeah. You're gonna see them coming cross country to New York. If they lose the this Guardians. one, I'm going to start buying into your theory now. Hey, if they lose to the Guardians with that, Troy's over here thinking, nah. <laughs> nah it man. happens, man. There's a reason why the betting lines are the way they are. There's a reason why these things are different. <laughs> um, it's, it has I, nothing to do with east-west travel. It absolutely <laughs> does. And you're talking about a Saturday game at 2. That's the first game of the week. You get less time during the week to prepare. You have the three-hour three delay um, time difference. For the early game, maybe if this was the Sunday 7 p.m. game, I'd say, you know what? Yeah, maybe it'd be all right. Got time to acclimate. <laughs> Saturday at 2, your day starting at like 9 in the morning, which is like 6 in the morning on West Coast. I'm telling you, it's cha- it matters. See, <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you've been on fire all day here in the studio. I'm going to give you a chance now to apologize. Do you want to apologize to the Tampa Bay Vipers? Do you th- still think they'd lose to LSU? After week <laughs> 1 and 2, it would be a game. I'm telling you, and I think – I. I'm going to trust the team that steamrolled the SEC this year and college football <laughs> over a team like the Vipers who were clueless in their or in, inarguable, inarguable, whatever the word inarguable. is. Inarguable. I'm putting arguably, a B in there. Arguably. Inarguable. Inarguable season. There it is. Their inarguable season. Um, now, again, I said, I said on the radio show on the score 1260, I also said here that Weeks four, five, six, and seven may be a different story. They did. They 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 showed up. But if you're telling me week one, Vipers show up the way they showed up, and LSU is in midseason form, they're gonna win that game. I'm so, no, no, no. <laughs> Do I agree in the NFL the Bengals would steamroll the LSU? Yeah, maybe LSU gets a couple of scores and keeps it close for a for a part, but. No. See, I think sticking with bugging. it. See, I see. I think sticking Houston. I think Houston might have a chance against against Cincinnati. Nah, see, that's where I think you're crazy. See, I think, yeah, I don't know. The PJ Walker. See, here's the thing, folks. When Emery's not here, we provide ammo for when Emery comes back. This is what mm. we do. So when we get back here tomorrow, he's gonna have a Stephen A. moment. I gotta address the blasphemy <laughs> that <laughs> came out of your mouth in this one. See, the difference there with that take with for me, the Roughnecks and the we'll say the Bengals because they finished last, but. The difference there is that these guys that are on the Roughnecks now didn't make teams like the Bengals. True. So, True. but 
But do you really want to play in Cincinnati, though? <laughs> I mean, let's ask Joe Burrow that question. If he goes through with his career, because I mean, you saw the tweet, folks. He he he's got two small hands. He asked he's everyone to pray for him. He, he's pr- everybody pray for Joe Burrow because he's got his hands are too small. Clearly, that held him back in college, and it won't be good enough in the NFL. Anyway, folks, let's talk about week number four, and let's talk about that LA. New York game to start off with. We'll be there for this one, 2 o'clock, ABC on Saturday for this one. Two teams going in completely opposite directions. And now the real question, though, we have for this one, who's going to be the quarterback for New York? Because McGloin struggled for the first two weeks, then gets hurt. Williams wasn't exactly effective when it, running the offense. He was okay, but didn't they didn't trust him in the goal line, whatever. And then Luis Perez steps up, and his one drive scores a touchdown. So where in the world does New York go? That's the big question, and especially how does defense slow down L.A.? Because New York's defense, though, has kept them in games. They have been solid there. They just need to get off the field. New York's defense has been pretty much the entire team. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, like, Heaney's been outstanding. Heaney is yes, a all over the beast. Field. He is a beast, and Alex and I got both got the chance to interview him. He's a cool guy. Check He's out those interviews, by the way. Plug your Twitters real quick. Where can they find these interviews in Guardians? I'm practice? at amarinoni 10 at football fandom where the O's are replaced with zeros. Nice. <laughs> nice. But so so how do we – like this game is going to be an interesting one though because, again, you have a good linebacking core that could shut down a running game. They've done that pretty consistently. But Josh Johnson is now finding his stride. It's going to be really interesting in this one. And it's going to be cold too. We're talking 30s still here in New York coming up this weekend. I don't know about this one. I, I think L.A. still is probably going to win this pretty handily, but – yeah, the, the home were different. The spread are, the spread is minus seven, and that's huge because you yeah. know they say that the home team gets a three point swing. So if it was in L A, it would really be uh, my, or if it was a neutral site, it would be minus ten. Uh, minus ten. Yeah. But the problem with the Guardians is that offense. The defense spends so much time on field because the offense can't do anything. The running game has been effective, and they don't use it. Victor and Cook have were good last week, and they don't use it. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, but they're, they're effective when Marquise Williams is in the shotgun and they're and they're running the ball down Seam's throat. That's when they were the most effective. If it's get, the question is going to be who's going to be under center. Troy and I are going to shoot up to the practice oh. right after this, so we're going to hopefully get something maybe from Coach Gilbride or something on on that situation. But uh, if it is Matt McGloin going out there to start, I, I just don't see how the running game. What what could be effective is the intermediate passing game. Um, you have receivers that can get off the ball, who can win those one-on-ones. So, and you have an LA team who was de- did a very nice job last week against the defenders, keeping oh, keeping the big play out of the picture. So, Matt McGloin's not a big play type of guy. Arm, he's a guy that can throw accurately though from 10 to 15 yards. Those slants, those digs, those outs, the get move the chain type of guy. If they stick to a game plan like that, mix in the running game like you said, this could be a a pretty good game. But um, I think it could be a better game. Have they go Marquise Williams the whole game? They could be a better game if Luis Perez. We don't know. We don't know enough about Luis Perez, but about Marquise Williams, I think we've seen enough tape to know that the offense has a little bit more continuity than it did with McGoin. And and forget who might be under center. Let's talk about who might be at center because that was a big discipline yes. problem last week as well. Yep. So they'll see how if New York tightens that up this week, especially at practice. Let's move to the other game on Saturday, 5 p.m. on Fox for this one. And it's a similar matchup. Teams kind of going in different directions. Seattle taking on St. Louis. St. Louis is home at the Thunderdome. Seattle, defensively again, playing very, very well. Defense has been good. The offense 
still find, trying to find a groove. And right now, Silvers, I mean, you heard some boos in, Saint, in Seattle last week. He's feeling a bit of pressure. So how do we see this one going? What's key for Seattle if they want to have any chance in this one? And that's not the first week that we've heard boos towards, towards uh, Silvers in that one. Yeah. I mean, it might be time to see B.J. Daniels. You know, the former Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl champion. Yeah, he doesn't have many stats in the NFL, but he's 30. He's got experience. Maybe it's time. It'll be interesting to watch in that one yeah. for sure. If the Dragons are going to have any shot in this one, I mean, the number one key is stopping that run game. You know, yep. I, I may have said it earlier. but Three-headed monster. Proving that Te'amu can beat you with his arm. That's that's first and foremost for the Dragons. For uh, for the Dragons on my end, it's, it's involved – I mean, they have they have very good skill players. They got a pretty good uh, running game in Gardner and Farrow, and Trey Williams is effective out of the backfield in the passing game. Pearl came on the scene week one and then was irrelevant week two, and then comes back on the scene week three. Yeah, he's been up and down. Um, Keenan Reynolds is a very talented receiver. They have they have people that they can get. It's it's the consistency at quarterback play, and I wish we could talk about other things other than the quarterback position because you always want to say, but it starts there, and when there's question marks there, it pretty much starts and ends there so if maybe if bj daniels does get a chance i could see why they want to go with brandon silvers he wasn't too bad last week he managed the game just didn't excite you um and he started off quick and then really just hit a slide the rest of the game um he, you need silvers to give you a complete game in this one and for the battle hawks it's just keep doing what you're doing i mean just keep being the dominant team that you're being um last week was you can't let last week um be used as you know like a give up week like it almost was like a bye week honestly yeah. for that for that offense they weren't asked to do much between a kick return touchdown um the running game was just running through the through the, through the guardians jordan tamo didn't have to do really much they didn't have any real pressure this is a, a week that seattle although struggling is a team that can stay in the game you mentioned you know, it sounds like a lack of leadership for seattle at this point yeah you mentioned the interesting name keenan reynolds quarterback navy you want to get a guy for leadership? Go to an academy, and you'll find plenty of it. So maybe if they don't want to go to Are you considering a position change here for Keenan Reynolds? <laughs> Did you see him play when he was at Navy? Yeah, again? he was a good player. He was outstanding. And Navy, when he was there, did not go to the triple option as much as they have in the past. I'm just saying, you might want to consider it maybe as a little bit of a wrinkle into your offense. Maybe no, some, throw a uh, double pass in there Some or double passes some might be something in there that you can consider. That, that's what that offense needs, a little bit. They need an identity. Some they don't, they don't have an identity right now. Throw in Keenan Reynolds once in a while. Be your Brad Smith with the Jets head and just have a guy who takes about eight snaps a game, runs the option, and then heads oh, but, out. Oh, and by the way, throws a decent ball. Let's go on to Sunday now. Fox Sports 1 at 4 p.m. for this one. A battle in the state of Texas. Houston versus Dallas. Landry Jones certainly got better last week. He didn't make the big strides like Josh Johnson did from week two to week three. Certainly looked a little bit better. You've got a big, big problem, though, in Cameron Art's pain. He's been outstanding, second in the league in rushing. But, oh, my goodness, here comes the Houston offense and Cam Phillips. Not to mention James Butler, who's fourth in the league in rushing. Oh, and some guy named P.J. Walker, who, who might be good at football. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting one, though, because, again, Dallas has a solid defensive plan. And they control the clock with Cameron Artis Payne. Do you, I think we might see them maybe go to the run game a little earlier than they have in the first three weeks. I mean, yeah, I know Dallas is solid. They control the clock, all that. But still, I mean, Vegas knows something that I don't know. Because right now the spread is at Houston minus one. 
Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> Houston minus one. Hmm. And I don't know. I mean, the thing that's most scary to me is that Houston defense has shown that it can let up a lot of points. This past week against the Vipers, this past week against the Vipers, the week before against the Battle Hawks, they've shown yes. that they can let up a lot of points. Yes. But with Phillips and Walker and and company, they score at will damn near. Score <laughs> at will. And yeah. I don't know if the Renegades are going to be able to keep up with them. But minus one, I feel, is a little bit disrespectful towards Houston. Well, listen, this is like a three or four hour bus ride. This is going to be. <laughs> this this ain't an away game. It's, it's a north. It's a north south. North south travel. And you know how it is in Texas. You know, it's just crazy. No, uh, I think I think that's actually a pretty solid line because if you look back at what the Renegades have been able to do defensively, holding the Dragons to twelve, and honestly, those are quick scores. Who? After that, the Dragons. Who? Have, you mean Brandon Silvers? <laughs> Listen, it's still <laughs> it's still a professional XFL yeah, team, yeah. right? You know, so I mean, oh, what so else? You can't do it, but anyway. Um, so they held the Wildcats to 18, but that was obviously uh, it was three quarters of pretty much shutout football for the most part. And then week one, they take care of business defensively. Uh, what did they do? Uh, it was the Battlehawks. They held them to 15 points, and had they had a quarterback in Andrew Jones could have possibly snuck away with a win that game with just adequate play. Philip Nelson didn't provide anything that week. So this is a defense that can limit and get, make it a, make it probably the hardest it's been for P.J. Walker. So am I saying he's gonna? they have the chance to shut down P.J. Walker? I don't want to say that, but we did just see Cardell Jones throw four interceptions. So not saying he's going to do that, but this would be a defense and a type of game that that is a possibility, especially – I don't care what they say about the home road game, man. It matters. It's the East-West game that really matters. <laughs> By the way, shout out to Brandon Silvers. Still fifth in the league in passing yardage. Just saying. He's number five well, still. No. Uh, shout out to Troy. Anyway, shout out to the Sunbelt <laughs> Conference. Let's move on to the last game of the weekend. 7 o'clock ESPN2. This might be the most intriguing matchup of the week. I think the Dallas-Houston game might be the best game of the week. This is the most intriguing one for me. D.C. at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is shooting themselves in the foot. It seems like every week with their coaching decisions. That being said, Cornelius was more effective this week. He didn't look terrible. But when Quentin Flowers was in the game, the crowd reacted. Yeah. The offense reacted. And they, if they go to him anywhere near the goal line, they probably win that game last week. I don't understand Tressman's thinking. Meanwhile, I don't. No. Meanwhile, on the other side, you got a D.C. team that just got smoked by L.A after being the most dominant defense in the league. So, is this the making for, hey, they're down, let's give them another kick in the head and see what happens for Tampa Bay, or is this, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay, but DC's here and they're angry. Which one, would, which one do we think shows up here? This is another one where Vegas knows something I don't because the defenders are the underdog. <laughs> they're plus one in this. They're plus one. And with the quarterback situation um down there in tampa i don't know how they can be favorites you don't know who the quarterback is going to be is murray going to be healthy is he going to get the start if he's healthy if he's not is it going to be cornelius because i mean uh in the first half it looked like flowers was going to be the guy it yeah. it looked like he was going to be the guy but then comes come uh i believe cornelius got the last drive of the second half which it did lead to a touchdown which it did lead to a touchdown and he came out in the second half with the first few drives and did nothing did nothing so it's like, I don't know what Tressman's thinking. Is he thinking, um, okay, let me go with Flowers. I've seen enough of him. Let me go with Cornelius. Uh, he, he hasn't done nothing, but I'm going to stick with him. <laughs> so I don't know. But 
for the defenders, I think that they bounced back strong. They got embarrassed last week. Absolutely embarrassed last week. And Cardell Jones, after throwing four interceptions, he's going to come the ball this week. Absolutely. But we've seen that the Vipers offense can put up yards. And it's going to be interesting to see that matchup because, like I said, I believe that the D.C. defenders are a complete team. That defense got trounced last week, and this this Vipers team has shown that they can struggle come to the red zone, but they do get there. I was about to say, you could argue if the Vipers knew how to finish inside yeah. the 20, they're 3-0. and Yeah. You could argue that because, I mean, you saw how many picks they had against the Guardians week one that they shouldn't have been thrown whatsoever. Week two, they were right in that game. Week three, they probably should have won that game yeah, against they, Houston. They get there. They just can't put it in. They just can't put it. Uh, phrasing. <laughs> phrasing. Touche. <Nice>. Touche. <laughs> Alex. Very nice. Now i got to watch what I say. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could see this game being close. I mean, you have a Vipers team, despite what's happening, they're they're trending up after last week. And yep. you got a D.C. team trending way down. And, uh, you know, it's. A, I mean, it is another – It's it's a different element because – Yes, they are professional athletes, but a lot of these players haven't had to prepare on the professional level for a road game. And you saw the struggles of some of these road teams. They struggled big time in L.A., and they got to go back on the road. And it's going to be a primetime game. It's Sunday at 7 so on ESPN2. So this is... I mean, it's it's as big... It's as probably as, mo- as much as it can be, as big-time football as it can be. So um, what D.C. is going to have to do is just right the ship, get back to what they do well... Um, and that's you don't have to hit the home run every single time with Cardell Jones and that offense, but you should probably get some continuity first, and you have to show that if you get punched in the mouth by a team and get scored on first, you got to respond, and they couldn't do that last week. And as far as Tampa Bay goes, you pretty much nailed all the points, but there just needs to be continuity on the offense. There needs to be consistency if you're going to go the platoon route. With Cornelius and Flowers, that is, if Murray isn't playing, be consistent with it. If you're going to go two-minute drive with Cornelius, fine. But when you get in the red zone, if you're not going Flowers, what are you telling your team? So have some continuity, and um, and I, I think this is going to be one of the better games. I mean, on paper, if you asked after this week two, you would have been like, oh, crap, this is the 7 o'clock game. But after last week, this could be a really good game. We'll certainly keep an eye on all of that. And, again, don't forget to go to XFL.com to check out all of the information there on the league. And go to FootballGamePlan.com where football makes sense for all of our coverage of the XFL as well as the NFL draft, college football, anything you could ever want. And I'm going to do my best Emory impression here. Make sure you order your copy of the Go-Go offense, one of the most innovative offenses in the league today written by brandon marion you got to make sure you pick up that copy they're selling like hotcakes anyway folks we will <laughs> tune in next week when we have the wrath of the return of every hunt from whatever we said this week for alice marinoni and troy anthony i'm david hasagan thanks for listening in troy you want to sign us off i just have to correct you it's innovative well, no. I was saying he's doing it on purpose. I'm, I'm doing yeah. that on purpose. Thank okay. you very much. <laughs> My bad, Emery. <laughs> we, we will, I'm sure we'll pay for the blasphemy next week, folks. That'll do it for us. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy week four.